Alrighty. Amen. It's good to hear those updates from um, Brother Owenby in Mongolia and Brother Fraser Young. And when he said uh, the Young family are doing well, I thought he was talking about their age, but he's talking about his last name. So, um, All right. Praise the Lord. Well, Pastor Lloyd is away. He's down in Sydney at some meetings down in uh, Pastor Hernan's church. Pastor Hernan's church. Um, so pray for him. Uh, he's going to be preaching down there and being a blessing to them. So he's asked me to give something tonight. So I'm going to give you something that hopefully will help you. And maybe if it's not going to help you, it's going to help someone else. So if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, uh, it's going to be... I'll give you the option tonight. I mean, you've always got the option, but I'll give you the option of flicking to each verse that I'm going to uh, talk about tonight. Um, but if you don't want to, that's fine. I'm going to read every verse anyway. Um, but it's going to just be a little bit of a Bible study, and um, we'll see if we can get some help from the Word of God tonight. So I have to do something before I start. That is seriously annoying me. Can't do anything about the flicking light, but apologize for that. Um, you just have to pay, pay attention up here and try and ignore it. Um, So Genesis chapter 2, and we'll read verse number 7 here. And the Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I'm going to pray, and then uh, we'll have a look at some things here. So if you bow your heads with me, we'll have a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this day that you've given us. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that it is a gift from you. Uh, that we're able to use this day for your purposes, Lord God. And I thank you for the opportunities that you have given us today. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge that you're also going to give us opportunities if we have a tomorrow, and we thank you for using us in your service, Lord. Father, I thank you for this church and uh, for the impact that it's had on many lives. And Lord, even just hearing those updates from our missionaries, Father, we thank you for the work that is going on in many places around the world. Uh, But thank you, Lord, that you're also doing a work here. Uh, We thank you, Father, for our pastor. Pray that you would please uh, strengthen him and use him in Sydney this week. We thank you for guiding him and uh, giving him words that he can use to encourage the church down there. And I just pray that you would look after him, Lord God, and bring him back safely to us. But, Father, even for this evening, we pray that you would just guide us as we look in your word tonight. Uh, I thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Father, that it can overcome many things that we face. And uh, Father, we just pray that you would guide our time together. I pray that this be valuable and helpful. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, question for you. Who likes food? Put your hand up. All right. Who likes food that is a bargain? Put your hand up. Okay, so come on. You should be like putting both hands up. Food that's a bargain. So I don't know if you're like me, but when I go to a restaurant, so usually, okay, so... Most Saturdays, we'll uh, go to Parkrun in the morning and then we'll have breakfast somewhere. And so we might go to different places at different times. But what I do when I get that, sit down and I get the menu in front of me is I'm going, OK, I probably want to spend about 10 to 12 bucks if I can get away with it and get the most out of that 10 to 12 bucks that I possibly can. So I want value for money. So I'm looking at the menu items and I'm looking around at what other people are ordering and seeing what's coming out on their plates. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see that's that one. And, you know, maybe that's about $15. Ooh, that's a bit out of my budget. Is there someone that's got this one here? Maybe that's a little bit more value. Because, you know, I don't want the $10 ham and cheese toasty. That's, that's not value for money, okay? I want something that's bacon, eggs, toast, maybe a hash brown, tomato. It's hard to find that for 12 bucks, but this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> Okay, so when I order something and it's like 
10 to $12 and it comes out and it's equivalent to a ham and cheese toasty, I'm a bit disappointed. I'm like, I wanted something valuable. I wanted something that's going to give me a lot for what I have. And so I might look at that ham and cheese toasty equivalent and be like, this is not valuable. This is, this is not worth a whole lot because it's only like this much. The problem is that we can think like that in our Christianity. We can think like that about ourselves. I'm only this much, so I don't have much value. I, I am the ham and cheese toasty on the menu. I'm not the all-day breakfast, the big buffet breakfast. So why am I saying this? Because I've had a lot of conversations with people, even, even just recently, about their value, about how they see themselves and how God sees them and, and, and how that impacts their life. And I just want to bring some, some verses tonight just to establish the truth about your value, your value in God's eyes. And like I said, this may not necessarily be something that you're struggling with or, or going through yourself, but it's definitely something that you can help somebody else with. There's always going to be someone who's like, oh, I'm not sure I'm really valuable to God, or I'm not sure I'm really valuable to whatever it is, if it's a ministry or something like that. So I just want to go through the truth about your value, and I'm just going to give you some points. If you're writing them down, great, but I'm just going to give you some points on some verses and then hopefully this will be a help tonight. So the first one looking at is Genesis 2-7. We read that God made man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. Man became a living soul. And my first point is really just this. God is your creator, so he decides your value. He's the one that gave you the life that you have. Therefore, he gets to set what your value is. Nobody else gets to set that. He's the one that made it. So if I'm in my house and I make something myself, then I get to set what that value is to me. Well, God made each one of us and allowed us to be alive. So then he has set your value. So that's really important even just to start off with because if, if you don't agree with that or if you don't agree on the Bible on, on that, then everything after that is of no use. Because if you don't believe that God made you and set your value, then I guess everything falls down after that. But I just wanted to make that point that he deemed you worthy of life and not just life because we know that he created other things that have life. He created animals that have life. He created plants that have life. But he created you with a soul. He created you with a life that has a soul. And that's completely different to the animals and the plants. And he's placed more value on you. So he could have made you a plant. You wouldn't know it <laughs> because you'd be a plant. He could have made you an animal, but he didn't. You are you. You are a person who has a soul, and he has deemed that you have value. I mean, he's put man in dominion over the plants and the animals, so he's put more value on you than on a plant or an animal. And that might sound very basic, but sometimes this is just what we need to remind ourselves of, that, hang on, wait a minute, God's given me a soul. That's extremely important. He died for people with souls. He didn't die for anyone else. So he's deemed you worthy of life. He's deemed you worthy to have a soul. And I guess my other question for you tonight is, could God have made it that you were never born? Could God have chosen that you did not get born? Well, the answer is yes, isn't it? Of course he could. But he chose that you did get born and he chose to put you in the, in the part of that verse that, that he's not willing that any should perish. So you're, you and I are part of that any that he doesn't want to perish. 
So we might look at it like, oh yeah, God died for everyone and you know, we're just all like, just throw a blanket over it like everyone's just covered in that. No, but he actually had each one of us in mind when he died for us. So yes, we're part of a whole, a generic, you know, he's not willing that any should perish, but individually, specifically, he died for each one of us. He gave us a soul and he died for that soul. So we have value. He has set that value. So of course, you know, we could not be here tonight, but we are here tonight. So the fact that you're alive, breathing, you can think and use your brain means that you have value. And you have purpose as well, but I'll come to that a little bit later. So the first one is that he's your creator, he decides your value. The second one is this, and it's in Matthew 6, and it's verse 27. And there's actually two verses I'm going to just talk about here, Matthew 6 and Matthew 5. Matthew 6 and verse 27, it says this, it says, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, my point here is nobody can add or take away from your value. No one can do that. No one can give you more value than you currently have and no one can diminish your value in any way. We might feel like that happens at times. We might feel like someone has taken value away from us or we might feel like other things in our life and environment add to our value, but they actually don't. God has set your value when he gave you life and that value does not change. That value does not waver. It does not go up and down according to circumstances, according to feelings, emotions, anything like that. Your value is set. God set it. The moment that you got life, he set your value. So no one can take that away. No one can add to it. And Matthew 5.36, it says this as well. It says that you can't even change the colour of one of your hairs. You can't, even, you can't even do the smallest little change if you wanted to. And I know this, it's in a little bit of a different context, that verse, but just think about it. If you or I cannot even change one colour of our hairs, then how can we change the value of us as a person? If we can't even make ourselves, make ourselves grow one centimetre, one foot taller, whatever it is, and we can't change one colour of, of our hair, how can we do something as amazing as change the value of our person? We can't do that. And no one else has the power to do that. So not even ourselves. So here's, here's the other thing I want you to think about tonight. Is there's nothing that I can think of with my limited brain. There's nothing I can think of in this world that has a value that is set that does not waver. So you think about it, house prices, car prices, you know, what they're worth, you know, an engagement ring. You know, when Nicole and I got uh, engaged, you know, her engagement ring was valued at a million dollars, but, no, I'm just kidding. Her, her engagement ring was valued at a certain amount, and then, you know, years later you get it revalued and it may have changed according to circumstances around the world. Many things change in their value, but... Your value and my value as a person, it does not waver. It does not change and no one else has the ability to impact that at all. And like I said, we can sometimes think it does, act or react like it does, but it actually doesn't. So this is important, especially if you're dealing with a new Christian or a struggling Christian, they need to understand this, that 
circumstances around them does not change how important they are to God and what they can contribute, what their purpose is, all these things. It, it really does matter. So your value and my value was set by God when he gave us life and it does not change. So no one can take or add your, from your value. The next one is this, Jeremiah 17, 9. Very familiar verse, you probably all know it, Jeremiah 17, 9. It says this, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, here's my point. Your own heart can tell you you're not of value. So, you need to trust your Creator's word instead of trusting your heart. Because if your own heart can lie to you and deceive you, then you need something more trustworthy than your heart. And you might be like, well, I know my heart. It's my heart. It's my feelings. Or someone else might be saying to you, no, no, I trust my heart. You know, I've had it my whole life. That's great. But this has been around for more than your whole life. This is God's word. So your own heart can deceive you. And you know what? People can convince you of all sorts of things. People can convince you that you're better than you are or that you're worse than you are. But here's the thing. We can convince ourselves of the same kind of things. I mean, who, who's, who's like me and can convince themselves into something or out of something? Maybe something you don't want to do. I can convince myself out of it, yep. So we can make excuses, you know, we can you know, have all sorts of things going on and say, I'm going to convince myself that I don't have to do my homework, young people. I can convince myself I'm so busy with things that I can't do my homework. You can convince yourself of all sorts of stuff. But people can put things on you that you then go, hmm, actually I start believing that. And you're placing that above what the Word of God says about you. And that's a danger because that's not just for, for young Christians, that's not just immature Christians. All of us can fall into that, of, of placing other things above what the Word of God says about us. Okay, So the problem is when we convince ourselves or allow others to convince ourselves or maybe it's just the world's way of thinking then we can we can do that and when we do that we forsake the truth we can do it to the point of forsaking truth because we're so convinced by all this other stuff and we get clouded by that or we just start believing it so much that we're not even looking at what the truth of the word of god says and hey, for most people, you know, you can get clouded by, there's so much sensory overload in our day to day. And if we're not careful to look in here and feed ourselves on the word of God, then we can be clouded by all that and not look at what the truth is. Okay. So our value comes from what God says and we need to remind ourselves, oh, that's right. He, he gave me a soul. That means I'm really important. Oh, the Bible says that he died for me. That means I'm really important that I actually have value. Because, hey, doesn't this world right now want to say that the pig is more important than the human? Which is totally the other way around of what God has said. So we need to remind ourselves that, no, God died for the people. He didn't die for the animals. So the truth of God's word must transcend our thoughts and emotions. Because... We need to make the decision that I'm going to go by this even when everything else around me disagrees. 
even when everything else around me feels like it's going in the opposite direction of what the Word of God says. Even when I really feel like I have no value, I'm going to look at this and say, actually, no, what God says that I do, so I'm going to believe that. And that just comes down to having trust and faith in who God says he is. But we need to determine that that's the kind of people we're going to be. You know what? I'm going to follow this even when it's unpopular, even when everyone else is telling me that I'm not worth it. Hey, people are going to tell you you're not worth it. Not just young people. Like You're going to have people in your workplace who will be like, oh, no, you're rubbish, mate. But you need to come back to what God says about who you are. And, yeah, there might be things in your life you need to change, but at your core you have value according to God. Okay, And not everyone else is going to see it like that. But if, if we as Christians take God's word for it, then we can, we can go forward on that and then we can have confidence in that. So here's the thing. If you find yourself choosing to listen to your heart, like, no, I'm going to listen to my heart. I know what that says or I know what I've heard been taught, but I'm going to listen to my heart. Well, you need to follow that through, okay? So if you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to listen to my heart. Well, here's a question. Who gave you life? Who created you? God. Who gave you your heart that you're trusting in? Well, God did. Okay, so who knows your heart inside and out and better than you do? Well, God does. And, and what does he say about your heart? Well, he says that it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Ah, oh, okay, so I probably can't trust my heart as much as I think I can. So just simple going through the process of, hey, what does it actually mean to trust in your own heart? Well, if I believe God gave it to me, then I think he knows more about it than I do. So I need to trust that what he says about it, I need to go, ooh, need to be wary of that. I can't just put everything on my heart. I actually have to go with what he says about it, okay? And, you know, someone that's going through this, you know, they might find that quite hard to deal with, but then you can back it up with other stuff that God has promised a person, a believer, whoever it is, whatever they're going through, okay? So your own heart can tell you not a value, but you need to trust God's word, put that above feelings and things like that. All right, next one is this, Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to look at verse 4 and 5. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. And it says this, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And my point here is that you were worth dying for even when you had nothing to offer God. So Jesus Christ went to the cross and was not promised anything by you. God sent his son to earth knowing that you were not going to be able to give anything back to him. And yes, we know he knows the future and knows, you know, what if you were going to get saved and you were going to serve him and and use your life for him. But he also knows the people that weren't going to do that. And yet he still died for them. He said, I'm placing value on this person regardless of whether I get anything back or not. So, you know... (laughs) Our value is not tied to to what we can necessarily give back to God. Hey, it's great that we can give back to God and we should give back to God. We should sacrifice and give, give of our time, of our life, of all sorts of things, but he didn't place your value on you because he knew he was going to get something back from you. He didn't go, yeah, I'm going to die for that person because I know they're going to put $100 in the offering on that Sunday. He didn't do that. 
or I know that they're going to give me, you know, their time and their, they're, they're, going to, they're going to pray and they're going to teach other people. About, he didn't do that. He said, no, actually, because I, like our first point, he, he created us, he gave us a soul, he placed value then, and then anything after that is kind of like a bonus. So it wasn't that we had anything to offer him. So we tend to think sometimes that value is linked to what you get. Just like I said, you know, at the restaurant, well, if I get a, if I get a big meal for my money, then that's value. No, well, in, in, in God's eyes, it's no, I gave them life, they have value. And then anything after is, is, is good. So Jesus showed that you have value by dying for you and, and everyone. So if you held value before salvation, which you did because he died before you got saved, makes sense, and he said that you, have, you are valuable enough to die for, then how can your value diminish after salvation? Because some Christians are thinking, oh, I'm not as valuable to God because of A, B and C. But God already determined that you had value before you got saved. And that's not going to get less after you get saved. Because like we've already said, it's already set. He set that value on you. Okay? So your worth to God remains unchanged by how much, and regardless of how much you do or don't give back. Okay? All right, next one. Moving along. Matthew chapter 6, 25 and 26. Matthew 6, 25 and 26. Now, I know these, this verse here, I'll read two verses, but I know these two verses here are in context, they're talking about God's provisions, but I just want to make a point here um, about value as well. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, it says this, Therefore I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat? And the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So it's obviously talking about, hey, you shouldn't be concerned or worried about, hey, am I going to get provided with what I need to be provided with? And God's saying, I'm going to provide what you need. I'm going to take care of the things that are important. And this is, I want to tie this in here with this point that your value or a person's value isn't related to physical things, isn't related to physical possessions, is not related to stuff that you have. Your value is not tied to what you have. And it says in uh, Matthew 16, 26, it says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And God cares that you have a soul, not what else you have. So you can have all the stuff in the world, but that doesn't add to your value. He just says, oh, you've got a soul, you have value. Hey, that's great if you've got all this extra stuff. And I know that verse there is saying, you know, you need to be focused on what is important, your soul. Don't be focused on earthly things. But just think about it. God's also kind of making the point here that it doesn't matter what else you have. It does not add to who you are. It's the fact that you have a soul. That makes you who you are. That's, that, that's your importance to God. That's your value to God. So it's not related to physical things. It's not related to possessions. Um, and the, you know, these verses are, are talking about God's provisions, but he's also making the point of, hey, what is important? What is valuable? It's not what clothes you have. It's not the food that you eat. It's that you are a person, not an animal, not a plant, not a rock, not, you know, that's what he's talking about. 
So your value isn't related to physical things. Next one is this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it says in verse 20, it says this, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And here's my point. Your value is given to you for a reason, for a purpose. Your value is given to you because you can make God look even better. Now, we might be like, really? We can make God look better? Well, if, if we're using our life for him, then we glorify him, then people think more of him. When they see things happening in our life and coming out of our life and it's pleasing to God, then it makes him look good. Hey, if, if my kids are, you know, like excelling in every single thing that they do, even though it may have nothing to do with me and everything to do with their mum, it's still going to make me look good because I'm their parent and they came forth from me. Well, it's the same thing with us as Christians. If we use our life to glorify God, then it ends up making him look good, and it should. We should be focused on that. We should have that as our purpose. And that is our purpose. That's what God has given us. So our value is given to us as a gift for that reason, to make him look good. And we might think, oh, or some people might think, that's a bit arrogant of God, isn't it, like to make it all about him? No, he's God. He deserves that. He's allowed to be like that. If I'm like that, then yeah, slap me. That's, that's arrogant. But God, that, that's the nature of God. That's who he is. He, he should have all that. So God isn't like the world. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have more respect for things, more respect for people, the more things you have or the better things that you have. He doesn't have more. He's not a respecter of persons like that. So you, we've got to remember that he's made us in his image, he didn't make the animals in his image, and he made you and me without all of our possessions, and he still deemed us valuable to be part of his family. So he made you without, you know, all the stuff that you have. So the stuff that you have is not your value, okay? So he's not worried about what you do have or what you don't have. He's worried that we use our life to glorify him. And that's his command, is that we should glorify him. We should remember, oh, that's right, I'm bought with a price. That's right, I have value. But my value is not just for me to go, oh, I have value. It's for me to go, actually, I need to glorify God because of that, for that. So other people see that. So, you know, when someone's struggling, with, you know, what's my purpose in life? Well, your purpose is to glorify God. But you're probably not going to do that if you don't think you have value. If you think you're down here, if you're the ham and cheese, you know, toasty, then you're not going to think you have much, off, much to offer. But you need to realise you are the buffet breakfast, okay? You have a lot of value. So this is really important for us to just encourage other people with. All right. Here's, a, here's another point just to, according to that one, is accepting the value God places on you helps you to fulfil your purpose in glorifying him. So when you go, yes, I actually believe that he has given me value, I, I accept that, I'm not just going off what I think and the circumstances around me, I accept that, then now I can fulfil my purpose of glorifying God because I'm comfortable in that. I, I understand that I have a purpose. I understand that he's given me my value. 
So accepting it helps you to fulfill what he's asked you to do. Okay? But if you're like not sure about it, then it's going to be kind of hard to use your life for him. But if you go, no, I know why I'm here. Uh, do, you go, do you know why you're here? <laughs> I know why I'm here. I know why I'm still alive. I know why I have breath in my lungs right now. It is for that purpose, to glorify God. So if I can accept that, then I can use that properly. So we need to help people to understand, hey, you know what? You can accept that God's put value on you and then you can glorify him because of it. So that, that can help people. All right, I have three more and then we're done. Hebrews 10, 24. Uh, it says this, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So obviously this is talking specifically to Christians to consider and to provoke unto love and to good works. And here's my point, is God says you're valuable enough to encourage other Christians. You have a purpose in someone else's life. You can help somebody else. So many times I've heard, and I'll put my hand up, I've said it myself, I'm not sure what I have to offer that Christian in the church. I'm not sure how much I can offer that ministry in the church. Uh, I think someone else can do a better job of you know, being an encouragement there. I think someone else can provoke unto love and good works better than I can. You know, I think we've probably all at some point thought a little bit like that. But here's the thing. is, I think we think this because we know we're imperfect and we think that that lessens our value. So I know my faults. I know the things that I don't do well. I know that when I don't follow the Lord in something... And I go, oh, uh, that makes me pretty bad, so I probably don't have much to offer. Equating our performance with our value, and that's not what God says. But here's the thing. We're always happy and glad to receive from another imperfect, valuable person in the church. We're happy to receive encouragement from someone else we know is not perfect, but sometimes we think of ourselves, in a, we, we give ourselves a different set of you know, measuring stick. But God says, no, I know you're all imperfect, so I'm going to use all of you to fulfil my purposes. And you're in this church, so I'm going to use you as a valuable member of this church to provoke unto love and to good works, even though you're imperfect. Who knows they're imperfect? <laughs> Me. <laughs> that doesn't disqualify you from being used from, for God. So we all have something some way we can relate to people and it's going to be different for each one and just because you know I'm not going to relate to that one as much doesn't mean I can't relate to this one so God knows that he's, he's placed us in here and he fits the body together so we need to accept that we have value in this place amongst Christians to provoke unto love and good works even when we're not perfect so God understands that we need to we need to remind ourselves of that as well all right, second last one, Matthew 5, verse 16, says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So not only are we valuable enough to encourage other Christians, but you're valuable enough to represent God to the unsaved. God says, I am happy to have you as an imperfect person to be my ambassador. And we might be like, oh, I'm not really the best ambassador, surely there's someone else. No, he says, if you have the light of Christ in you, then you're qualified to be his ambassador. Now, can we work towards being a better ambassador for God? Yes. 
There's always room for growth, isn't there? But don't look at ourselves and go, oh, I'm not as good as such, such and such or so and so, so I can't be the ambassador for God to, to the unsaved. No, he said, let your light shine. You got the light? Let it shine. Don't worry about whether someone else is brighter than yours, or, but you've got the light? Let it shine. So God says, no, you, you're valuable enough. Here's the thing. There's companies that have advertising campaigns. You know, nearly every company has an advertising campaign, but they're not always going to pick just anyone to be their ambassador because the person who looks really ugly, they're not going to put them on the ad. Like, we just know that, okay? The person who, you know, dresses sloppy or something like that, they're not going to put them in front of the, in front of the camera for the advertisement. So they're going, to be, they're going to pick and choose who they think represents well because they want the perfect person. God's not like that. He says, you're ugly, you dress sloppy, I can still use you. Yeah, you, know, you might, might not be able to do much about your face, but you can tuck your shirt in, but I'm still going to use you. You've got that light inside of you, I can use you. So we need to remember that, that, hey, God can use me how I am. He may want me to grow in a certain way, but he wants me to shine my light. So I have value because I have the light and I have a soul. He's created me. He set my value. Just reminding ourselves of all these things, okay? Because I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, that I had this thought of, well, I haven't reached this pinnacle of being able to be used of the Lord because I'm not like that person or I don't know enough of the Bible or whatever it is. But God's not worried about that. He's just, he just wants you to shine your light how you can. All right, last one is this, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 5 and 6. Ephesians 1, verse 5 and 6, it says this. It says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, and this is the part I want you to think about, wherein he, as Jesus, hath made us accepted in the beloved. He's made us accepted in the beloved. My point is this, your value is found in Jesus' acceptance of you. Because if Jesus has accepted you, then who else are you worried about not accepting you? Hey, I'm sure you've all got people in your life that don't accept you for who you are. But if you've got the light of Christ inside of you, he has accepted you. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter anyone else's opinion. And that might be hard to deal with because, you know, it's in your face and people can hurt your feelings, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, whose acceptance or whose opinion counts? It's God's, isn't it? Now, you know, I guess it's easy to say that, but we need to just continually remind ourselves of that, that it's actually what God sees that counts. It's what God thinks that counts. It's what's in here that counts. It's the truth that counts. Not my emotions, feelings and circumstances, but if Jesus has accepted me, I'm accepted. I have value. He's going to use me. He can use me. You know, we can measure our value by many means, but they can all change if, we're not, if, if it's anything outside of the word of God. If we're measuring our value according to people's opinions, hey, people are fickle. Again, change, you know, what's popular today is not going to be what's popular in six months' time. Like, people, you know, this is what I don't like about teenagers so much, is that something that's cool today is not cool in three weeks' time, and then they have the audacity to be like, that was three weeks ago. 
Yeah, you were the one doing that last year when you were in you know, grade seven or something like that. But people's measuring stick changes all the time, doesn't it? So, but Jesus doesn't. He's placed value on you and he, he doesn't change. He doesn't, he's not fickle like that. He said, no, you're accepted, you're acceptable. You have, you have a soul, you have, you've been created, you uh, represent me, you're accepted. You have value, you have purpose. And so you, now you can, you can accept that and you can fulfil what he wants you to fulfil. Okay. So those are just some thoughts uh, across different scriptures. Hopefully that would help uh, even just anyone that's you know, questioning those sides of things. I know it's even just been a help to me because I can doubt all the time, you know, am I, should I be the one doing this? Am I worth it or anything like that? Uh, but let's, let's make sure we go back to the truth of the word of God and what he says about us. All right, let's have a word of prayer and then we'll have the, the prayer sheets handed out. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you once again uh, for the truth of your word. Thank you that uh, we can rely upon it, we can stand upon it. And uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help each of us to uh, be a help and a blessing to anyone that would be struggling in this area, Lord. Help us to encourage those around us with these truths that you have set, Lord God. I thank you, Father, you can use us how we are and where we are. And it is a privilege to be in your service, Lord. Father, continue to guide us and help us uh, when our heart is deceitful, our heart is uh, lying to us, Lord. Help us to come back to the truth of your word, to remember these things and uh, to give you glory with our life. So, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.